Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Homestand, the official podcast of the Kansas City Royals. I'm your host, Carrie Lipper Gillespie, and I am so excited to have Royals Hall of Famer Mike Sweeney as our guest today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Carrie. I've obviously been following you and what you're doing and, and bringing an incredible message to Royals fans and uh, delighted to be on your show. We're honored to have you and we're excited for the fans to get to know you a little bit more. You're near and dear in their hearts for a lot of reasons, but we're going to talk even more about you. Tell us about growing up in California, first of all. Well, growing up, I was just a kid that uh, I was the second oldest of eight children and uh, my father was ironically a, a baseball player and was playing minor league baseball with the California Angels and uh, my mother became pregnant with the first of the eight children and Dad thought, you know what, rather than me trying to live out my dreams and playing minor league ball, I'm going to come home and let my my family have a chance to dream. So uh, he came home, started driving a beer truck the next day, and about a year and a half later, um, I was born as a second child. And uh, people ask me, like, man, like, you've had a pretty cool life. And uh, when did that start? And I look back, and it started the day I was born. I was a four-pound premature baby. Wow. Uh, doctors gave me a 50-50 chance to make it through the night, and uh, my mom and dad became uh, very instrumental parts of my life. Yeah. Uh, mom, mom became, you know, worried about the the death, possible death of her son, and yeah. dad was saying, if my son's going to die, I want him to die a Christian. So mm-hmm. that night, the night I was born, July 22nd, 1973, uh, dad called in a priest and said, I want him to, if he's going to die, I want him to die a Christian. And yeah. I was baptized, and I had a baseball bat. He asked the doctors, can I, can I put a baseball bat? This is my firstborn son. And so a baseball bat was in my incubator as a two-month preemie. Aww. And uh, praise God, the next morning, uh, doctors came in and told my parents after the, you know, you got a 50-50 chance to make it through the night. They said, something happened between the time we took your boy last night and the, now this morning. And uh, we, we call it a miracle. Yeah. So you can't explain it, but your boy's going to do well. Um, so it was a long journey um, getting up. But life growing up as a, a young boy, I... I simply wanted to make my mom and dad proud. Yeah. And, and baseball was something that was given to me as a gift as, at a very young age because, like I said, my dad gave up his dream of playing ball so that I could live out mine. So it was, it was quite a, an incredible journey. That's an incredible story. Do you still have that bat? I wish I did because it would be uh, – I would trade every All-Star Game jersey, oh. all the memorabilia I have, I would trade it for that bat. Yeah. Um, but no, but I have a memory – uh, at least the story of a, the, the memory of from my hearing it from my parents, and I can just imagine my mom sitting on her um, 
delivery bed mm -hmm. praying for her little boy and this little kid, you know, about this big yes. as me. So yeah, here we are. That's incredible. Were you always athletic as a child or, you know, football, other sports at all? Like what, what were you into as a kid? So today, Carrie, you know uh, that a lot of athletes are one dimensional, but my parents, they didn't know I was going to be a big league player. They, they just said, go out and be a kid. Yeah. So, I mean, I played every sport imaginable as a kid. And I think it helped me as a, as a major league player because, you know, starting at a young age, I, I did all the sports, basketball, football, um, I even rode, rode BMX bikes, bicycles. I raced those. And um, yeah, it was, I, I always think it's important to be a well-rounded athlete. Yeah. And I was blessed to do that. And a well-rounded human too. All those different things, you know, yeah. playing different sports and different, uh, you know, teammates from those sports. That's right. Helps you be a more well-rounded person. That's right. You're a kid from California. You get drafted by the Kansas City Royals. What's going through your head? Have you been to Kansas City? <laughs> I'd never been to Kansas City before. Uh, my son just asked me about it uh, yesterday. Um, he says, Dad, when you got drafted by the Royals, um, were you nervous? Were you, what, what happened? And I was like, well, I was sitting in my U.S. history class, and I got a pink slip, which usually you get sent to the office yeah, in high school. Bad. That's bad, Carrie. Yeah. So I go to the office, and principal's there, and he says, hey, someone's on the phone wanting to speak with you. So I pick up the phone, and I hear, Mike Sweeney, this is Art Stewart. Vice President of Scouting for the Kansas City Royals, and I'm here to let you know you were just selected in the 10th round of the 1991 Major League Baseball June Draft. We hope that you'll join the Royals family. And I, I was telling my boys this uh, just yesterday, and uh, he's like, well, did you call your mom and dad? And I, I didn't have a cell phone. Yeah. I had to wait until I got home at 5 o'clock after baseball practice. But um, I'd never been to Kansas City. I actually never went to Kansas City until the day I was called up, Kerry. Really? To the, to the major leagues. And that's after being in the minor leagues for about five years. And um, yeah, I, I literally uh, landed in Kansas City. I was told to go pick up a red phone on the, on the side wall and that the phone would send me a limo to take me to the stadium. I didn't know the limo was an 18 passenger van. <laughs> that would also include fans that were going to be staying at the Drury Inn and the Adams Mark and uh, maybe wanting to get dropped off at, at the um, you know barbecue local barbecue yes. joint. So when I showed up at the K for the first time ever in my life, I'm going to make my debut that evening or that afternoon. I had a duffel bag with all my catcher's gear and baseball bats, and I had a suitcase. Mm -hmm. And the guy taking the ticket says, do you have a ticket? I was like, I don't have a ticket. You think I'm going to show <laughs> I'm up in the Royals lineup. game? Like, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be catching tonight. <laughs> and uh, it was a doubleheader, so it was game one. I got there a little bit late after everyone got dropped off at barbecue. Yeah. So to answer your question, Carrie, I'd never been to Kansas City until my major league debut. That is actually incredible <laughs> and such a fun story. When you got that call on the phone, what was your first reaction? You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> did you, were you like, I'm, I'm in history class, I gotta go back to class, but sure, I'll yeah. see you there. <laughs> when, when, I, when, I got call, when I got the call as, as a 17 year old kid in history class, it was the invitation to become a Kansas City Royal. Um, I didn't realize it would take five plus years in the minor leagues to get that final call to come to Kansas City as a 22 year old uh, young man, but uh, it was well worth the journey. And, you know, I was just downstairs sitting with Bobby Witt Jr. And I was talking to him about his beautiful mullet. And I said, hey, BW, you know, just yesterday after school, I was given, my, my son says, hey dad, can you give me the Bobby Witt Jr. haircut? Oh boy. And Bobby's like, oh man. And I said, I said, I spent so much time in the minor leagues. I had to learn to cut hair. And now my boys have never had a haircut other than from their dad. Um, my dad, I, I give him and all my brothers haircuts, and um, 
just yesterday I gave my son the Bobby Witt Jr. haircut. So my journey from a 17-year-old kid going to play baseball at, at a local high school to getting the call from the legendary Art Stewart yes. to five years in the minor leagues of getting paid peanuts and learning to cut hair and years later getting to give a Bobby Witt Jr. haircut to my 17-year-old son. Um, it's, it was a great journey, not only to get to the major leagues, but after I got to Kansas City, I fell in love with the city. I became a resident. I, I lived there for years. And um, Kansas City is always a second home to us. Yeah, that's incredible. First of all, I'm so just disappointed that the Bob haircut is becoming a thing. <laughs> I see it around Kansas City with like kid, like boys that are like 9, 10, 11 yes. years old. They have that haircut. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Bob is making this a thing. <laughs> and, you know, it's just this haircut that yes. only Bob can pull off. That's and right. It's just and, he, there's not a, and, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Carrie, but I don't know if there's another young man in all of Major League Baseball that I – could ask to be a role model for my sons. Uh, Great guy. Um, my sons love Bobby Witt Jr. for all the right reasons. Yep. And if they have a crazy looking haircut, that <laughs> I don't like cutting it. Yeah. I, always, I always vow to, I'm never going to give my son a cut like that. But if they're going to want to be emulate one person in the world that plays baseball, it's, it's Bobby Witt Jr. I would 100% agree with that. The hair is his only like caveat. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, standout guy all around. So. The top notch. Yeah. So you were such an important part of the lives of so many Kansas Cityans in the early 2000s. And even like some of our crew back here, when they heard we were getting oh. you on, they were like, oh, that guy, like he oh. was, he was it. He, you know, and they remember you from those times. What does that feel like for you to hear that? It's uh, it's really humbling. Uh, you know, I, I was, when I came to the big leagues, people asked me like, why, why did you wear number 29? And I said, well, I think a week before Vince Coleman got released and he was wearing the great Dan Quisenberry's number. And I, after being in the big leagues for a couple of years, Kerry, um, I thought the reason they gave me I, number 29 was because I spent more time on I-29 going back and forth to <laughs> Omaha than, than I did actually on the beautiful playing field at Coffin Stadium. Um, but then I came to understand, like, I'm carrying a legacy of Dan Quisenberry. Um, but to be, to hear from people that, you know, Colin Snyder's downstairs and said that he wore my number or Mr. Quisenberry's number when he was a kid, yeah. but he wore it because of me. Yeah. It's super humbling. And um, as much as I love playing, I always felt like a failure as a Royal because I never, as a player, brought a World Series championship to the team. And even though I had some great years, you know, kids wore my number and maybe tried to play like me or hit like me. Yeah. But uh, all I ever cared about was winning a championship yeah. and I, I felt like I let Royals fans down because I wasn't able to achieve that. Well I can tell you this much Royals fans really love you and they think fondly of you and I know that's every athlete's goal but there's so much good that you gave the city yeah. I can guarantee that and Thank so you. be easier on yourself <laughs> I tell you. I'm a critic I'm a tough critic. But I know. Thank but you it, Carrie. It makes you realize how the game is just the conduit to how you can influence and impact people and connect with them and I even see it with Salvi people <sighs> love Salvi. They love Bobby, you know, and, yes. and they see them, you know, when Salvi comes out to sign autographs and their face just like, I mean, they truly just changed this kid's life just by being there, talking to him, being like, Hey buddy, giving him an autograph. And you never know how you're going to change someone's life or, or to what extent you're going to change. Someone's Amen. Life. Thanks for sharing that Carrie. And, and also, um, you never know how one fan's life might change you. Yes. Um, a few years ago, one of the local hometown her heroes, um, Sarah Olson mm -hmm. at the time, um, 
I found out that she was, had ALS yeah. and she, I went up and gave her a hug and she shows me a picture and she says, you remember me? I was that little nine-year-old girl that used to wait out in the parking lot every night. Wow. And, uh, and now she's become one of my heroes. And, uh, you know, like you never know the impact that you may have on someone, yeah. but yet as a ball player, people look at us as superheroes. Yeah. We're not. Um, we have hearts and we, we struggle and we go through stuff. Um, but the, the, the fans and the support and that little nine-year-old girl that has become a hero to so many people in Kansas City, including me, uh, you never know when that fan or that, that, that person that comes to a ball game may have an impact on a Salvi or yeah. a Bobby Witt Jr. or a Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were talking about the Pasquatch. The Pasquatch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you almost caught me on yes. that. So should we talk about that, Carrie? Sure, you, you lead the way. Okay, so Carrie and I were talking offset. And, uh, you know, last year during spring training, you guys all know, uh, Vinny made an interv- had an interview, and Vinny says, yeah, my, my desire is to be a nightmare for the opposing pitcher. So Uncle George, the king of Kansas City, Uncle says, George. Uncle George, that's what my kids call him. Um, say to, it comes out and says, you know what, your, your name, you're the Italian nightmare. And, and it, there's a big article on MLB.com yep. and everybody signs her up, Italian nightmare. Now he's playing for Team Italy for the WBC. And Vinny, uh, a couple weeks ago says, you know, I'm, I'm done with the Italian nightmare. I want to be called the uh, Pasquatch for Pasquantino. So uh, it's, it's cute. He, he's walking around. You're, you're going to have to do a vi- an interview and ask Vinny to take a look at his gold necklace and what's hanging from his necklace. All right. Because it's uh, it's pretty cool. We'll get a picture. Maybe we'll put a TikTok or whatever, but this needs to be shared with the world. You know, uh, Royals fans just simply cannot get enough of Vinny. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, he, I can't either. He, I hope he someday comes out of his shell because he's just so, you know, reserved. And I just don't know what it's going to take to get him to show some personality. <laughs> well, you know what? We we had a glimpse of about seven years ago. We had guys like Haas and Moose and yeah. Locaine and, and a young Salvi that became um, identifiable and em- embraced by the fans. And we're having that next group of guys that our personality, yeah. um, our charisma, and the way they play the game is being embraced and celebrated by our fans. And I know just a few days ago, I, th- I spoke with Uncle George yesterday, and he said the big celebration for the Chiefs occurred, the, the big parade. And um, I'm hoping that we can have another parade, a, a Royal Blue Parade, and have these young guys that the fans are embracing, like Vinny, yeah. um, can be celebrated for the, the incredible ball players and men that they are. Yeah, I love that. I do too. Take us through what it is like to steal home plate. Wow. Because that is not an easy feat. <laughs> it's still very legendary, <laughs> and we would like to know how you do it. Oh, wow. So um, people ask me that, you know, 
about stealing home. Yeah. And I think that night, I think the announced attendance was around 30,000, maybe a little more. We were playing the New York Yankees. But I feel like I met about 55,000 people that said that they were there that night. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'll tell you a quick funny story, and then uh, we'll, we'll keep going. Uh, you're you're going to laugh. At least I hope you will, to, to be a good host hostess. Um, well, so we're playing the New York Yankees. Andy Pettit's pitching, one of the best in the yes, game. Yes, amazing. And he's beating us. They're beating us one nothing. Paul Bird, our, our starting pitcher, is competing as best he can with the, with the big, bad, mighty Yankees. And uh, seventh inning comes around. Carlos Beltran leads off the seventh with a, a double. And to any kids out there that are watching, even though you're the three-hole hitter or four-hole hitter, and it's a one nothing game and you got a guy in second base, you're not trying to hit a home run in the fountains. You're trying to advance. You're trying to get the guy over. Sacrifice. Be a good teammate. And it's all about winning. So my job, I, I did it well, but I was trying to hit the ball to the right side, and I ended up hitting a double that short hopped the fence, and Beltran scored, so I'm excited. 1-1 game, and I'm at second base with nobody out. Jermaine Dye comes up next, hits a ground ball to the right side. I'm at third base. Okay, now we're going to get a lead on the big bad mighty Yankees. So the Joker comes up next, Joe Randa. And he ends up popping up second pitch. So now we got two outs. And I saw something in Andy Pettit's delivery. He's in the stretch. And he would get the sign from Jorge Posada. And then when he gets the sign, he closes his eyes, take a big deep breath, exhale, come set, and go home. And uh, I look over at our third base coach, Rich Dower. And I said, hey, Richie, I think I could steal home here. Yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> Carrie, he had about the same expression, but he actually, he, he, he screamed. He, it was more like this. <laughs> if you make it, you'll be on Sports Center tonight. And I said, well, no, like, there's 40-something thousand people here, 30-something thousand. Like, I need a little bit more um, vote of confidence for yes. you or permission. So he goes, really? I don't care. Go for it. So I'm at third base. Uh, Joe Randa pops up, and it up, cups, uh, up comes Aaron Guile. So he's a left-handed hitter. On the Jumbotron, it says 0 for 2, two strikeouts. So I'm thinking, man, the goal here is to win. Yeah. Uh, time is not of the <laughs> time essence. Time is running out. It's running out. Seventh inning. I got to go. So I look into our dugout, and Tony Pena Jr., Tony Pena Sr. is our manager, and he's on the dugout step kind of like this. And I'm, I'm at third base. Tony's right down the line, and I, I'm trying to get his attention. Strike one. Uh, ball one. I'm, I'm looking at Andy Pettis doing the same routine. Yeah. I finally lock eyes with Tony. And I go, hey, like, like this pitch. I want to steal home. <laughs> And Tony goes like this, huh? Yeah. This pitch, I want to steal home. And Tony goes like this. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, yeah. Carrie, it's time. Let's rodeo. And, and, and yeah, let's rodeo. Uh, yeah. And, and just to preface it, I'm not Carlos Beltran. I had, I think in my 16-year major league career, I had 53 stolen bases. So three point something a year. And stealing home was not one of them. I was like back-end steal with Carlos Beltran or Jermaine Dye. And I got my, I was, that was my way. Yeah. So anyways. Make a long story short, one and, one and two count. Andy Pettit gets a sign. I go, I got to go. And right when he got the sign from Posada, he closed his eyes, and off I went. They say that from third base to home plate is, what, 90 feet? Yep. It felt like 90 miles. <laughs> I felt like it was like, like Olathe to Blue Springs. Like, it, it felt so far, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, I, can I do a do-over? Immediately regretting this decision. Yes. <laughs> the, the crowd went silent, and everything just went in slow motion. But I'm coming down the line, and I could hear Jeter and people yelling he's gone anyways I come in home I get tagged in the thigh safe everyone went crazy I, I it's the only time in my career I had two curtain calls I'm like this is so cool I should steal home more often <laughs> and uh the the best part of the story is Tony Payne after second curtain call says hey uh Mikey Mikey my boy come here that was great but uh what in the heck what are you doing <laughs> and I said well Tony like 
I had permission from you. You told me I could come. Like, I told you this pitch I want to steal home. And he was going, Mikey, I was telling you, ball in the dirt, be ready to go. <laughs> so the best, the most exciting player in my big league career um, was a complete fluke. Yeah. And then um, maybe fans would enjoy this part of the story because this has never been publicly shared. Yeah. Um, after the game, Yankees, big media everywhere they come in the clubhouse and they ask me how i did it and i'm an honest guy yeah so i, I shared with them about andy pettit closing his eyes blah 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 i didn't realize that sports illustrated was there they did a huge feature on it and about two weeks later jacoby ellsbury's in the locker room reading the sports or sports illustrated oh it, oh cool mike's mike sweeney's still home against <laughs> andy pettit oh wow and it says how he did it so that evening they're playing against the yankees he's on third base and sees Andy Pettit getting the sign and closing his eyes, and then off he goes. Like, he stole home. Yeah. And he's in the stretch. It's not like he's in the windup. So after the game, he shares, hey, I, I, I read this article on Sports Illustrated yeah. sitting on the coffee table about Mike Sweeney. So anyways, about a year later, I run into Andy Pettit. We're in the weight room in Yankee Stadium. And he goes, hey, Mike, I love competing against you. Um, you've had your share of success against me. I've gotten you out many times. But can I pick up, can I say something to you real quick? I said, yeah, what's going on? He's a big guy. I don't mind if you steal home against me, okay? He goes, but for you to tell the whole doggone world <laughs> on Sports Illustrated how you did it, like, I, I, I had two other guys steal home because they said they read that stupid article. So next time you steal home or do something great, don't tell the whole world. And we hugged and it was a yeah. joke. But, uh, but anyways, you asked about stealing home plate. That's how it happened, and a little backstory that not many people have ever heard of. I think that is hilarious, but you know what's great about that story is you can take 100% credit for that then. You you know what I mean? Like, you can't say, like, oh, coach made me go. Yes. You can be like, no, like, I I did this all on my own, my moment of glory. <laughs> I did it my way. Yes, yes, I love that. That's incredible. Yeah, I love that thank story. you, Carrie. It was, it was fun, and um, something I look back on, I'm excited about, but again, there's... Now, after this interview, there's probably going to be 60,000 people that said, hear that interview? I was at that game. <laughs> yes. So we'll, we'll, see how it, we'll see how it unfolds, Carrie. I love that. Let's pause for a word from our sponsors. Uh, I want to talk some about the Mike Sweeney Award because mm. – um, for those that don't know, first of all, the Mike Sweeney Award recognizes the player representing the organization on and off the field. Okay. Um, and you have always put so much stock and cared so much about your actions off the field as much as on the field. And we've kind of talked about that here. Yep. But um, this award you know, recognizes other guys in there doing the same thing. It, just tell us about how it came to be and why that's always been so important to you. So uh, shortly after I retired, Dayton Moore and, and JJ approached me about um, a legacy award. And, you know, everyone knows the best, the, the king of Kansas City is George Brett. Um, they're going to probably have an award now with the Alex Gordon Award and the Willie Wilson Award for base dealers and Frank White Award. But he said, we want to honor someone who represents the team best on and off the field. And we felt you did it best of anyone. And I, so it's been very humbling uh, to be recognized for that because simply, all, like I told you, all I wanted to do was win and help my teammates be their best. And um, Zach Granke, rewinding real quick, we'll get into this. We played together for four years, and yeah. one year, uh, Zach comes up to me and says, hey, I, what kind of player do you think you'd be if you were a jerk? And I go, <laughs> <laughs> I go, what do you mean by that, Zach? Well, you come in here, and you're concerned about so-and-so going through a divorce. Yeah. So-and-so's wife just lost their baby. Yeah. This guy's over his last 25. 
if you just came in and didn't care about your teammates, like what kind of player, you're, you're really good. Yeah. But you could be really, really good if you were selfish and, and thought of just yourself. And I said, man, Zach, like I would, I know I'm going to be ready at seven o'clock, yeah. like, but I want to make sure my teammates are. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that's why a doggone award is maybe named after a guy like me who yeah. wasn't the most talented, but I cared and I was a good teammate. But um, it's given to the player that represents the Royals on and off the field best in the entire organization. And I've given it to some incredible um, honorees. Last year was Vinny, the Pasquatch, yeah. uh, Pasquantino. And uh, you form a, a bond with these guys. You walk with them. You encourage them to the minor leagues. And then you get to honor them in front of their peers yeah. with something that's better than or exceeds just their ability to catch a ball yeah. or to hit a ball or to steal a base. It's, it's based on character. Yeah. So uh, this year we're going to have another great recipient. And um, I, I don't know if I can announce it yet. But well, don't, March don't 6th. break any rules. Right. Don't I, break any I rules. I don't want to get fired yes, today, Carrie. We don't want that either. <laughs> you know, it's that, has it always been something that you were set on that I want to make this a priority in my career? Because I'm sure as you're coming up through the minor leagues, you spent, you know, a number of years in the minor yes. leagues. You're like, maybe I, maybe I do need to worry more about myself. Like, maybe I need to be more selfish. Did you ever go through that and then be like, no, that's not the type of person I want to be? Yeah, you know, um, no. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my, my dad, he taught me really well at a yeah. young age that the most important person on your team is your teammates. Yeah. And the only reason why you should play the game is to win. So if you take that mindset of humility, like, hey, these guys are more important than me, yeah. and then, and I'm still gonna compete my butt off, and I'm still gonna get after it, and the only really objective here is winning, um, then I think you have the ability to be great as a team, and, and also great as an individual. So um, it never came across my mind to ever be that, that player, because at such a young age, I was taught the right way to play the game. Yeah. So thanks, thanks to Pops. Who's, yeah. He and Mom, you know, I talked to him every day. Just celebrated 51 years of marriage. Oh my gosh! And, yeah. So it's great. Congrats to them. Thank you. I want to talk some about your family because you have a big family. We do. And um, I'm sure that was a huge part of your career, and they supported you throughout that all. <clears throat> and having them come along on your playing journey, and now everything that you're doing post playing journey. Talk about your family and what their support means to you. Yes, their, their support means everything to me. And my wife, Shar, and I just celebrated 20 years of marriage. And Congrats. We, yeah, thank you. No small feat. I know it's not. And we've been, uh, we've been blessed with six beautiful children. And um, our oldest is a senior in high school. And our youngest, uh, little Ryan Burke, is uh, class of 2038. Wow. <laughs> He's three years old. Wow. And uh, it is such a gift. Um, it's so hard to be away. It's such a gift to be wearing this royal blue again. But they support me, yeah. and um, they're my everything. My wife is, after my faith, uh, she's my number one, and my kids are <laughs> my number two through eight, yes. <laughs> or two through seven. Yeah, and uh, they they mean everything to me. Yeah. So uh, working for the Royals, though, it's it's given my family um, a sense of family um, after after playing, and you know my my sons. Their heroes are the ballplayers down about Uncle George. Uncle George. Oh, yes. and, and my son's got the Bobby haircut. Yeah. And my my other son, Donovan's talking about, you know, Dad, there's this soap that I love called Dr. Squatch, and we gotta get the Pasquatch soap. <laughs> so he's like, I'm call I'm gonna I'm gonna send an email to the company because Josh Allen from the Bills has the Josh Allen soap. So we gotta get the Pasquatch soap for and I'm like, man, they love these guys. Yeah. So, anyways, um, my family means everything to me. We, uh, we went on a beautiful vacation to Italy and Ireland to celebrate 20 years of marriage. And 
just my family is everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. Blessed with a good family. Amen. You can be so lucky. I am. Tell us what you'd like Royals fans to know. They've gotten to know you a lot throughout, you know, your career and, and now with what you're mm. doing after your, your playing career. But what would you like to tell them? Wow. You know, um, there, when, I, when I was playing, uh, I, was, I was a backup catcher when I started. Um, I was the 25th man on the roster. Uh, when Jeff King retired as uh, first baseman of our team, and I got thrusted into a position, I I told Tony Muser, he says, "Hey, you look like you can play some first base." I said, "Of course I can," because I was sitting on the bench. Yeah. But I didn't tell him the last time I played it was when I was 13 years old, and I jumped on that field. I play. I actually took Jeff King's glove from him as he was leaving our clubhouse because I said, "I don't have a first baseman's glove," and I was playing first base the next night. Um, I was, I became the captain of the team, not because I asked for it, because I, I love my teammates. I, I told you earlier, I felt I, I failed the organization because I never led them to a World Series championship. And um, I felt like my character was celebrated by most, but attacked by some. And um, when I incurred some injuries, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't walk, I, could, I couldn't move yet. Um, when you're down and some of the media takes those opportunities to to attack you and yeah. to crush you, like like I, I look back and I, I realize that it was worth it. Yeah. You know, like the times that I my wife had to wipe away tears that were rolling down my cheeks because, you know, some guy on talk radio thought it was his job to attack a yeah. a guy that was trying to do his all for the fans and the city. Um I don't feel any ill will towards those people. They're just doing their job. But it, it did refine me and make me the man that I am. And it reminds me of the silversmith. You know, you get a big raw chunk of metal and you put fire underneath it and the impurities uh, will bubble to the top and you scrape it away mm -hmm. and you scrape it away. And if you, if you get it too hot um, or you leave the fire there too long, that whole beautiful piece of precious metal will be ruined. But when the master, when the one who is wiping away the impurities can see his reflection back at himself um, in the silver that he's refining, that's when he knows it's perfect. Yeah. And I look back at my career and uh, there were some times where I felt the fire was almost too hot yeah. and it was too long. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I could handle another day of this. Yeah. But looking back, like I'm, I'm here to serve the next generation yeah. and they have an award named after me because of character yeah. that when the fire was blazing, I was still able to walk with my chest back and my head held up high and to get to play the game, even when I wasn't healthy in a way that honored the way that my dad taught me to play it as a young boy, the man that gave up his dreams so that I could live out mine. So um, that's what I would like the Royals fans to know is that us players, we're not perfect, no. but um, we can use their support. We, uh, It's like hot air in a in, in a helium balloon, you know, it just helps us to soar to heights that the fans never could think imaginable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I hope the fans can see the personal side of yes. me through this interview with you, Carrie. Yeah, I think they will. And you, you really do mean a lot to them. Like I said, there are so many people that you were such a cornerstone in the, in that, you know, the early 2000s and, and you did so much good. Like we talked about early on, you know, making the day of one person that, that leaves a mark and that's, what's important. That's right. Well, let's finish it off with some lightning round questions. How about I love that? It. Okay. I'm quick. All right. First car. <laughs> first car, 
uh, Nissan hard body pickup truck with Bondo on the entire driver's side um, uh, because we didn't have enough money for a paint job. Yeah. Just straight Bondo. How, what year was it? Did you say what year? It was a 1985 Nissan hard body pickup. Wow. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> dog guy or a cat guy? 100% dog guy. Did you have a dog growing up? Yes. What was his name? Uh, Coco and Fluffy. <laughs> Coco and Fluffy. Not real masculine. No, no. But it's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you have a dog now? A family dog? Uh, yes. We have, a, we have a white lab named Hunter. Okay. There yeah. you go. I love that. Yeah. Dozier likes that. Yes. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Uh, coach that made the biggest impact on your life? My dad. He's my hero. Yeah. I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. Uh, do you still have your first glove? Um, I don't have my, my first glove, but my you asked me about my bat my dad's bat that he laid in the incubator yeah. with me. I have my father's uh, catcher's glove from when he was 12 years old, and it is my prized possession at home. I love that. Even better than my glove, I yeah. get my dad's. Do you have a favorite movie uh, that you, favorite movie of all time? Oh man, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo with my, okay. my dear friend Jim Caviezel um, starred in it. That's amazing. First job in high school? Oh, high school, um, Christmas tree. I worked at a Christmas tree lot. Oh, fun. Uh, giving fresh cuts, roping. Loading up on cars. I was a 15, 16 year old kid. It was great. What'd you get paid? I'm curious. Oh, probably three bucks an hour. Yeah. Not much. <laughs> the good old days, right? <laughs> but you came home from work smelling good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> you came home from work smelling like a candle. So true. I know. <laughs> pay big money to smell like that exactly, nowadays yes. for those candles. Yeah. Maybe the Pasquatch soap could smell like that. There you go. I think we're on to a new business thing, you guys. I love this idea. Let's get it going. Marketing. I'm Let's in. get this going. Yes. <laughs> if you have a meal that you can't wait to eat, what is it going to be? Ooh. Um, I'm saying prime filet mignon off of uh, uh, the Hooray Grill over some red oak. Wow. Very specific. I oh, like yeah. That. I'm a barbecue guy. I love that. All my time in Kansas City. Yes. I'm not, I'm not the typical California guy eating tofu and fruits and nuts and avocados. Hey, or stop right there. Figs. I'm a vegetarian. Well, I uh, eat those <laughs> things all the time. Are you from California? No, I'm from Wisconsin. Okay, good. So you're not the typical Wisconsin girl. No. And I'm not the typical California guy. Right, fine. <laughs> we can meet in the middle there. I love that for us. I love that too, Carrie. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with us. This was a blast. You are a pleasure to chat with. You are so gracious with your time. Always have a smile on your face. And yeah. I just know I'm going to leave a conversation with you feeling good. And that's that's something special. Yeah, and, I'm, and thanks for having me on your show, Carrie. And again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours. So Thank you so much. Keep up the much. great work. Thank you so much, everyone. Royals Hall of Famer Mike Sweeney for being our guest today. We thank you so much. We thank all of you for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you subscribe because we got a lot of good episodes coming our way. I am biased, but you're not going to want to miss it. So hit that subscribe button and we'll see you again very soon.